This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes nationwide. Visit diamondshine.com today to learn from the industry experts. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Pete Ness. Pete, welcome to the show. Hi, Henry. Good to be here. <laughs> Thought we had lost you there for a second. <laughs> Pete's in Boise, which is far from where I am, which is in Dallas, but uh, technology has us connected today. Uh, Pete Ness is a 30-year veteran of the software and car wash industry, so I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, Pete started his software career building aftermarket customizations for DRB Systems, which produces SiteWatch point-of-sale product, which many of you may be familiar with. And then he went off to do drive-off and cashiering, cashiering rather, at a local Boise, Idaho, full-service car wash. Over his software career, Pete has worked for IBM, DRB Systems, as we mentioned, and a handful of other software companies. In 1997, Pete developed a software application called Ping Plotter, and that's a network troubleshooting tool that's used worldwide by millions and is the flagship product of Pingman Tools. That's a little bit hard to get out sometimes. Pingman Tools. Uh, which Pete still owns and operates, a very successful software company. And Ping Plotter is a very successful and, as we mentioned, very widely used application. Uh, then in 2006, Pete became a partner in the Metro Express Car Wash with his partner, Bill Martin, which they sold to Mr. Car Wash back in 2013. And then in 2010, Pete received a patent for a vehicle tracking system he created to associate vehicles coming from multiple lanes into a wash tunnel, a challenge that most of us have in our wash designs and layout. He's experienced in technical development, in taking products to market, in operations, obviously in the car wash industry and in the software business, and he has combined those two because Pete is now the CEO, uh, not only of Pigment Tools, but the new solution, which is no pileups. And some of you may be familiar with that technology, but Pete's going to share with us what it does, how it's helping operators and so on this episode, we're going to chat about Pete's interesting background and journey, as you've already gathered from the bio, his experiences in the car wash industry, specifically this solution, no pileups that they have and what it does and how it can help an operator. And then we'll get his thoughts on emerging technologies and how that affects things like avoiding accidents and then dealing with accidents in general, we'll get his thoughts on that whole process and how he's done it and what best practices he's observed from other operators. So having said all that, Pete Ness, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. It's fun to hear my bio read. Uh, all sorts of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> things, things you didn't even know you had done or, or couldn't remember anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, good. Well, thanks for being with us. I, I Let's just walk through a, a bit chronologically this incredible background that you have did you start your career in the IT industry? Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So the uh, by career, if you mean when I was 11, then yeah. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I've loved computers since um, I could first get my hands on one. But uh, one of my first real jobs was at uh, my uncle's car wash in Boise, as you mentioned, um, which that was in the mid 80s when DRB Car Watch was just coming out. And it, it didn't have all the reports that it really needed at that point or all of the, the reports that that um, location really needed. So, so my uncle asked me to come in and help build some of these reports and work a little bit on, on making it fit their business a little bit more. So this is a full service car wash and uh, you, anybody who's been at a full service, busy car wash knows that there's not enough people around on a busy day. So I just got sucked in to washing cars. Right. And then uh, I get after college, did you take an IT path initially or tell me about that? Yeah, so I um, spent some of my college years cashiering at this car wash. Um, you know, once the reports got built, I wasn't really a computer guy for, um, didn't have a degree or anything. So I was cashiering for, to pay for the bills. But um, I went off after college pretty much all computers. Um, so I've worked for a bunch of point of sale uh, software companies, one of them in Boise, but then in uh, 1996, I saw an ad on CompuServe. Uh, CompuServe was the thing back then for DRB systems. Thought, no way am I ever moving to Ohio from Boise. <laughs> but I ended up in Ohio, which uh, was, uh, that was a fantastic uh, experience. DRB is a great company, and despite uh, what uh, anybody might feel about DRB, their internal motivations are were great. And so I had a great experience there. Learned a lot about car washing and, uh, and technology. But um, while I was there is when I, uh, the cable modems just started coming out in the late 90s. And I was a gamer and I had a problem with my internet connection. And I'd call up my cable company and say, hey, my internet doesn't work very well. And they'd say, ah, it's your fault. Re restart your stuff. And you know, there was really no solution for that. So I wrote a tool to help troubleshoot that, which I started to sell in 1998. And that's the basis of Pingman Tools, which is still a successful business today. And it's been, that's been a, I don't know, I, I've been super fortunate in my life that the stuff that I love also seems to be successful. <laughs> Has that been a key though, Pete, is continuing to do things that you really have some level of passion or enjoyment about? Oh, geez, that is... That has been the key to my life. I have been so lucky that, well, first off, that my disposition is that I like a lot of things. And second, that my skills and today's uh, world needs really align in a way that is fantastic for me. I, everything I do, I love. <laughs> and you like a lot of things in part because you're a curious person? Totally. <laughs> totally so. The love of the car wash industry, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes when we grow up around a business like you did, we can come to never want to come near it again, especially because I'm sure you did everything at the car wash when you were younger. Well, what kept your passion and enthusiasm for the car wash business? Yeah, so I kept on finding myself pulled back in, you know, certainly for DRB systems where I got to meet fantastic car washers across the country. Uh, and... And at my my uncle, who's a fantastic car washer, he's <laughs> I just completely respect his uh, his car washing skills and, and motivations. But I don't know that the world just kind of pulls you back to certain things. And one of them is software, and the other one is car washing for me, which is mostly 
a lot of that is through through my uncle running a great car wash and one me wanting to be around that. So uh, you know, I was living in in Ohio and. Uh, I was married then. We wanted to have kids. We had family back in Boise, so we moved back to Boise in the uh, in 2000. And I worked for IBM for a few years, uh, but my my ping plotter business was doing great, and I really didn't need the job at, at IBM anymore. So I left there. I thought, hey, I'm just going to do my own thing all on my own, um, which did not work out like I expected it to. I I'd get. Uh, uh, partway into a week and I would be looking for something else to do. It's just, I couldn't motivate myself to work on my own. Uh, this, I didn't is, really, this is as you, or before you launched pink plotter, you're talking th about this was after I left IBM okay. and I was doing pink plotter full time. I see. But, uh, so I was bored and my uncle was, had, had opened a new, um, car wash in downtown Boise that, which was early in the days of the express exterior, uh, free vacuum model. And, uh, the express pay terminals had a hard time bringing, uh, cash, uh, cash balancing right. with, uh, <laughs> so he said, Hey, why don't you come in and help me? And I showed up there and the express model is different than a full service model. It, customers smile when they're going through. They aren't mad that their ashtray didn't get, that didn't get cleaned out. They are happy that they get free vacuums and their car is shiny. And that was just an energy that, that sucked me in there. I just wanted to be there all the time. I just had the right karma. And, and feel. you saw that as different than some of what you had seen in the full service, uh, arena which you had been part of before is that what you're saying exactly you know the full service car wash there's a lot of happy people there's a lot of great people but there's also a lot of frustration about how long it takes about the quality of service about you know employees being accused of stealing change out of the ashtrays and all of that you have so many more exposure points and people have unrealistic expectations right absolutely right so, so this, so th that is Metro Express is what we're talking about, right? So, so exactly. is Bill Martin your uncle, or is he a, a different person? He is my uncle. Okay, got it. So that's what brought you back into that and owning another car wash or owning that was the first one you had owned, I guess, in partnership with him. Yeah, correct. So uh, we built two more locations in Boise from that, and I still had this um, software business on the side, which was I was a m one man, but I. I didn't really spend a lot of time on it because I was continuously pulled back to the car wash. It's just, that's what I, where I wanted to be. So we, we built, had three great locations in Boise, uh, which we sold in 2013 to Mr. And at that point I was like, okay, so what's next? Uh, and I had this successful product, which I wanted to pursue. And I knew what I needed at that point, which was I needed to hire a team. I needed other people around me to keep the energy rolling. So that's really the the where Pingman Tools company started was in that drive. Got it, got it. So one of the questions that comes to mind immediately that I wanted to ask, you obviously have always had multiple things going. You do now. What are some of the things that you did, some of the tips, techniques to manage that? I, I have the same challenge. I have multiple businesses and, and I'm challenged with managing my time, blocking time, and sometimes I get paralyzed because I have so many things to do. I don't get any of it done. How have you figured out to manage your time so that you can work on multiple businesses, not to mention multiple projects at the same time? Yeah, well, figuring it out is a little bit of quotes in the air, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, 
so in 2013, I started to uh, hire people at Pingman Tools. And in 2016, when we started No Pileups in earnest, uh, the Pingman Tools Ping Plotter team was actually a pretty solid team at that point. And I was a little bit too engaged with that, where I'd want to get into the details a little bit too much. And so delegating some of that was a healthy way to find more time to do something different. And is that um, something you you feel you've gotten better at? That's a big challenge for me. I'm getting better at it, especially with using things like virtual assistants and, and just delegating tasks because... As a perfectionist, I always feel like, well, only I can do it just right. Have you struggled with that? Oh, man. Yes. Yes. It was, uh, it's been, it's part of the reason why you and I are successful is because we care a lot about the details. Um, but we don't actually have to do all the details. We can delegate and still have high standards. And so that's one of the things that I work on continuously. I got a, I, I was involved in a CEO group where I found a COO that I hired and it's been awesome for having capacity to do more things. And so the team of us is worth five of what I was. I, I, I can imagine I go through the same thing. I think one of the challenges I had as a small business owner is shifting from looking at hiring people, whether it's virtual or bringing them on board as an expense, as opposed to an investment in growing my business or businesses. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you first hire your first employee or second or your third, it feels pretty rough. It's like, okay, I'm spending a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it is. And it's hard to do that. But you know, we have 20 employees here now. It starts to get a little bit easier to, to see the value that people bring. Sure. All right. So 2016 is, as you said, is when you started no pilots, but tell me about how the idea came to be. How did you come up with it? How did it come to you? Tell us about that whole process. Yeah. So as you mentioned in the intro, the, I, I created a video-based queuing system uh, in 2010, at, to which I had, have a patent for that. And that uses cameras to track cars as they go from the pay terminals to the tunnel entrance. Interfaces with the tunnel, to program the tunnel. And once you get that going you start to see some other opportunities around there. And that corresponds somewhat with the uptake of people in their cars through the tunnel. You know, back in the full service days, people didn't ride through. So you didn't really have them on their brakes or leaning over and cleaning their dash and hitting park in their car. So you have people in the car and you start to get these risks where people are stopping in the conveyor, you have unlimited plans where you have more volume. And we just felt this where we started to have more collisions in the tunnel. And so we started thinking about, well, let's just take this technology that we're using to track cars at the um, queuing system, and maybe we can apply that in the car wash. So the idea really germinated at the car wash there, but we sold to Mr. before we really made any progress on a solution for that. But you had begun to identify, right, this is an issue now. How do we address this problem that seems to be recurring and that results in all kinds of problems, obviously, because that's the worst thing that can happen is an incident in, in the tunnel, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of bad things that can happen in the car. Sure, wash. somebody could get killed. <laughs> but for the, from the customer service perspective, besides, yeah. you know, the car is not clean uh, like I wanted to, having an accident in the tunnel is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so at, once you don't have a car wash anymore, it, it, the pain of some of this stuff kind of dissipates somewhat. Mm, interesting. 
um, you know, so it's like, wow, I it, just the the topic that you brought up about how do you manage your time? You know, you're starting a, a company and you don't think about it very much anymore. But uh, but I started so had this other product, this video queuing um, product that's uh, installed at I don't know maybe ten or twelve locations around the country. I started to hear from some of those customers that they were having problems with pileups. Started hearing from friends and colleagues from the car wash days about problems. And then in 2016, uh, we're, we were trying to hire a developer for for Penguin Tools, and just had this candidate that was a perfect candidate for building a vision-based <laughs> anti-collision system. So there was a, just a massive convergence in early 2016 where we had an opportunity to hire somebody. We had interest from customers. I had a great COO, and we had some uh, some extra capacity in the business to be able to do something around this. And it, it just I was so lucky that everything just converged all at once. That was impossible to deny this uh, this product. Yeah, you, obviously you had experience with developing solutions, especially technical solutions. Did you take that approach of installing it with a few customers? It gave you feedback, worked out the kinks. Tell me a little bit about how you rolled it out. I'm just curious about that from a product development perspective. Yeah, that's a that's a great story. Um, we so we started writing the first little bit of code in uh, let's see, probably early July of 2016, and we had a bunch of of existing technology that was in this space from this other product that we could use to launch ourselves. We had an experienced developer and we said, what, what's a good deadline? And there was a, an enhancement group, a 20 group from um, the car wash industry that was getting together at Jack's in Detroit in mid-October of 2016. I thought, let's go there and demo it. Yeah. So that was like this deadline that was immutable. <laughs> yep. it's like a, so, so we dove in and went to Detroit and Jax uh, was super gracious and let us hang out there for a couple of weeks and get it all tweaked up. And we had a great demo. Yeah. So Pete, uh, I'm gathering if I'm getting it right, that it's camera based, but give us a little bit more about how it works and how it integrates to the existing systems. Yeah. So the, um, the idea we had, uh, and that was related to the video queuing, that's all camera-based, was we already have these cameras in the tunnel. When there is an incident, we can look at them and we can see the incident happening. If we were watching the conveyor when it was happening, we could hit the stop button. And the cameras, they're not a perfect technology because they can get dirty and not have maintenance done on them, but but it's pretty good and we can use it for that. So, so that was really the idea, is can we put consumer-grade just cheap cameras in the tunnel and see when the car hops a roller, when it stops it, when it shouldn't and turn off the conveyor. So that's, that's the basis of the idea. And what we, what we do is we use a variety of cameras in, in good locations in the tunnel. We interface with the tunnel, the interface, the, the PLC. So when the car, when the speed changes, we see that when the conveyor stops, we see that and we know where the cars are so that we can look for them to be where they need to be. And if they're not, we turn the conveyor off. Right. You send a signal based on what you're reading on the camera. So are you replacing my existing camera software or is it something that uh, lives in conjunction with it? Uh, I'm just curious technically how that works there. So we use uh, Ethernet-based cameras, which is pretty much any, the only thing people are installing today. And 
almost every one of those has multiple streams in them. The primary stream is used for the NVR to record. It's a high resolution image. And then there's always a second or a third stream. So we take the second or the third stream out of the existing camera systems. And that's being processed um, locally, I'm assuming, on, on the machine that's, that's doing the recording as well or another server. How is that happening? Yeah, we have a little box, a little processor that we install, and that hooks up to talk to all the cameras. It hooks up to talk to the tunnel interface uh, so, so it knows when things happen. And then we build a 3D model from, from the cameras about where their locations are as the cars move through so we know everything's supposed to be. And, uh, yeah, that's the magic. It's fantastic. Yeah, the secret sauce is that that algorithm that interprets those image streams and determines we've got an issue, send a signal to stop. Right, right. Yeah, the concept seems pretty simple. Um, but anybody who has a car wash knows that there's all sorts of stuff that happens in the car wash. Right. You got wraps flying, you got soap yeah. flying, you got high pressure, you got fog. And so the magic is to stop when you need to and not stop when you don't. This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes. Efficiently producing clean, dry, and shiny cars nationwide, Diamond Shine helps operators create a top-notch wash experience and satisfied repeat customers. From branding and marketing to on-site problem solving, Diamond Shine's team delivers results. Visit diamondshine.com today to learn more from the industry experts. One of the things I was reading as I was doing the research is the improvement on throughput that you're seeing with some of your clients. What is it that's driving that improvement in throughput? Yeah, so this is not something that we really built the system to do. It's been right. a side effect that we didn't really expect. You know, originally we knew that we didn't like paying damage claims, and that was really the motivation for it. But but when you think a little bit further, it's not just damage claims, it's customer experience. And the customer experience matters. That's that's something that I feel that the car wash industry has a good grasp on, is that the customer experience is really important. It's something I took from, from car washing into software, is that the customer experience matters. And if you run a customer into another customer, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the, that's the biggest thing. And so when, when cars are hitting each other, this is something that affects you in a lot of, of ways you don't even think about. Like you really don't want to turn your conveyor up. If you're worried about a car hopping a roller, you really don't want to put your cars very close. If you're worried about a car hopping a roller. Um, so that's just, that's a really basic thing that if, you're not scared, what can you do? What kind of things can you try if you're not scared? Right. That makes perfect sense. So you're, you're able to get the most out of the equipment and the uh, configuration that you have because you're not as concerned. You're not leaving that, that gap, that speed to cover margin of error because you, you're covered in a, in a different way now to avoid those accidents. And you can move with confidence. Uh, yeah. Just universally, where we install it, the managers are completely unwilling to ever take it out because 
you can sleep better. You yeah. don't worry during the day. Your employees, you're not yelling at them for not doing something right. It's just, it's a completely different level of pressure. Yeah. And it creates a much more positive environment for everybody involved. Because nobody, nobody wants to deal with that situation, right? Nobody's happy. No, there's no... Uh, no positive result from a pilot. <laughs> no. And, you know, you're taking your very best guy, your manager, your assistant manager, and you're taking him off the line where he should be talking to customers and making sure cars are clean. And you're pulling him out and you're having him deal with pissed off customers. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because that's the other thing I wanted to get your insights on from you as an operator. And now, of course, you're working with numerous operators this whole topic of dealing with an accident when it does happen, because it still happens even with the best of systems and even with your technology, things happen. Yeah, you can still pull, pull bumpers off, yeah. Exactly, or, or you know, windshield wipers and license plates and all that good stuff. But what has been the way you've handled it? Because as we talked about before we started recording, it's such a negative experience. And my experience in talking to operators is that it's the last conversation they want to have. It gets delegated to somebody to make that phone call to tell the customer that we're not going to replace it. And of course, they don't want to hear that. So immediately they go online and post a bad review. The whole thing is such a negative experience. What have been some of the things you've done to try, to try to minimize the negativity associated with the whole process? I've talked to a lot of operators about this topic. Um, I've had the, the privilege of knowing a lot of great operators. And there is a pretty universal uh, energy from them that you pay for, for accidents. And almost everybody overpays for accidents uh, in exchange for having some peace of mind for this problem. And that's certainly what we did, too. We would pay for things that we were pretty certain we didn't do. Um, and that's not really advice. I'm just <laughs> relating my experience from this is that. No, it's a, it's a very important point, Pete, because I think that what that does, and let me ask you, did you have a threshold, a dollar amount up to which you would pay? And beyond that, it was a different process. Well, once it got to a certain point, we would turn over to, to our garage keepers insurance for some of that. Okay. Um, and having a good camera system is super important. You know, if you don't have cameras at load on, if you don't have cameras in the tunnel, you, you really have no proof. So uh, the first, the first level of defense is have a good camera system that just, it takes away half of the damage claims right there. Um, so you bring somebody into the office and you show them their video on, and, and if it's not compelling that it's, it was pre-existing or it's their, their fault, then you pretty much pay. Who handles that, you think, with the customer? Do you put that on the site manager? Do you handle it as the owner? Who should be having those conversations with the customer? Especially when you when you are, because in some exceptions, you are saying, no, we're, we're not going to repaint your car. Absolutely. Who, who's best to handle that conversation with the customer? Well, we did lots of training on this. If somebody was going to deal with a irate customer, they needed to be trained on how to do that. They needed to have role played mad customers. They needed to know how to say no without saying no way, man, you know, just the ability to interact with a customer. So having the best person on site who can deal with it immediately is your best option. Uh, not every issue can be handled immediately. Sometimes you need to do more research. Sometimes they need to cool down. And in that case, you maybe bring in uh, somebody who's better at it than whoever was on site. Uh, 
But when you have somebody yelling at you, you can't not deal with it. You have to deal with it. So you always want to have somebody on site who is trained on how to deal with mad customers. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I think that's a huge takeaway is the training. We don't usually train our car wash employees on conflict resolution, on dealing with irate customers. And that's why then it ends up getting escalated. I, so many times I find it's how we handled it or didn't handle it that really creates the bigger problem oh and why God, then yes. somebody goes off and writes a bad review on on an online site, right? <laughs> I've got a story about that, yeah. um, like we all do. But um, oh, we, we had an issue at the exit end of one of our car washes where the, um, the trap door gate the the weight flipped over and there was an arm sticking up that was cutting the bottom of the cars open kind of like a can nice. opener nice so so we did this to like 15 cars and the cars oh. were putting their brakes on they were hopping and then they'd get dragged through and it's like so this was an inspiration for no pileups let me tell you but <laughs> but then you know we've got all these cars which are obviously our faults and um you know we manage that situation and several of one of those customers is a friend of mine personally today and did did work for for the car wash and you know there's ways to do it where people aren't mad everybody's mad everybody's mad but three days later people are a lot better yeah so that cooling off period you found is important i think also one of the things we tend to do is that responsiveness we, we want to put it off, right? So we should have followed up two days later, but it's a week later. And then what happened to this? Oh, I just haven't called them back. That can be hugely negatively impactful as well, I've found. Yes. When you do get a bad online review, let's just go there for a moment. What are some best practices on handling that? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. This is something that we struggled with. Um you have to have more good reviews than you have bad reviews. It's yeah. it's really it's really a temptation to go respond to them, but the defensiveness of that comes out in a different kind of a way. Uh, what we tried to do was have a lot of positives and to ha minimize our negatives. I don't know the right. I, I'm probably not the right guy for how. No, to no, it's that it's tactic. such a struggle for everybody. I don't I don't know what the right answer is either. I think that is definitely part of it. I think taking it offline as quickly as possible. In other words, not getting into a back and forth online. I think that's a big mistake. Uh, I know me, I, I always ask myself, what do I, what am I looking for when I go to a review site? And to your point, I'm looking for, are there overwhelmingly positive reviews? And then I also look for, did the company re at least acknowledge and respond, right? Not, not address the issue online, but that they responded because it shows me that it's a business that at least is listening. So those are two things I look for. Yeah. The, the argument, as soon as there's an argument about who was at fault, you lose. You lose. Um, yeah. But saying, hey, get a hold of us. Let's get this taken care of. That's the right, the right attitude. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's talk a little bit about emerging technologies and the impact that you're seeing of that on anything from pileups to even be able to handle certain cars, certainly the automatic braking technologies that are emerging what are you seeing as to how people are addressing that? What is the impact you're seeing? What do you see coming? Well, it's, it's pretty exciting to see the way the ICA is stepping up to help uh, the operators as a whole deal with this issue by talking to, to car manufacturers, et cetera, uh, coming up with lists of how to deal with, with specific types of cars. That's fantastic. Um, the 
problem is a hard one because loading on at a car wash is a hard job. There's 500 things that your load on guy is dealing with. And to know that that Subaru is one that needs to have its auto braking system turned off, that's a hard thing. Uh, so you have to always have your experience load ons and ah, it's rough. <laughs> so I like what's happening with, with the industry, with the ICA pushing that. That's fantastic. Um, it, incidentally, the, the number of hopped rollers we see from auto braking cars is not that much. Interesting. As a percentage of the number of cars that stop on the track where they shouldn't have that are based on auto braking cars, it's not that high. So the whole auto braking thing is kind of like the straw on top of everything else that nobody can control. This is whole unknown, uncontrollable piece of cars that stop in the conveyor. And we're just adding to that problem with this auto braking system. And it definitely happens. But but as a percentage of the overall stops, it's way more often somebody puts their foot on the brake or puts it in park or is doing something else that they shouldn't be doing. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a good perspective to kind of, because sometimes we get off on the, uh, you know, the headlines and, and overblow something that's maybe not as big of an issue. It's still the human error of that customer in the car that's causing most of the pileups is what you're saying. Yes. And so no pileups is definitely built around that problem not that's not the motivation that's not the only motivation that that drove no pileups but it's one of the benefits of it um but i think it's got to come down to well you, you have to train your load on people which is hard because they might have been with you for two weeks how are they going to recognize all these cars uh, and attacking it from the other side like the ica is doing i think that's that's the way it's got to get done and there's always going to be new cars that haven't been done right but there's software in all these cars now so hopefully as time goes on it will be better managed uh, there's another big problem, and that's a completely different one, which is autonomous vehicles. You know, if they might break in the car wash, but autonomous vehicles is something that we're all thinking about too in the car wash industry. And yeah, that's that's a big one. I was going to ask you next. <laughs> what, what are you thinking the impact is going to be? Obviously, we hear everything from the horror stories. There'll be no cars on the streets because nobody will have a car, and there's going to be less cars to wash. To what? How do we deal with them when they want to show up at 3 a.m. in the morning to get washed? What are your thoughts on what we're going to see at least in the next, you know, two to five years? Yeah, this is my thoughts only. You know, I I think it's inevitable that we'll have some impact of the car wash industry by autonomous vehicles. I think about my own motivations. I like driving cars, but I would also like to not drive a car sometimes. And so that takes miles off. And can cars wash themselves? Someday they'll be able to. So what does that mean for the car wash in downtown? Um, I I think that we're all going to be impacted in the car wash industry in the future, and there will be a tipping point maybe a decade from now, maybe 15 years from now, where we see the growth and volume start to be impacted by autonomous vehicles. Yeah, I agree with you there. Okay, um, we'll start to wrap it up, Pete. Thanks for sharing those thoughts and insights. Uh, no pileups. I know I visited your booth at the car wash show. Which is the next show that you guys are planning to be at? 
I am not sure. That's a okay. great question. I don't know if you're going to be at Splashville. You'll definitely be back in Vegas next year, I would suspect. Yeah, we've been talking to the Northeast uh, show. We've been talking to, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to make it back out. You know, we the ICA show this year was really our introduction. We had only been doing tests before then. Yep. Um, so that was like our launch, and that added quite a bit of, uh, of work that we were still still working to catch up from and it was a great show loved the ICA show had a great time there uh, totally planned to do that again and love to do some more shows though too but nothing in August yeah no of course I just my point is that that's definitely a great place for our listeners to learn more about the offering but where would you like them to go online to find out more about no pileups well, we have a pretty cool video at nopileups.com that has uh, a couple of incidents that that we avoided. Um, and definitely you can call and we, we'd love to talk to anybody and share more details about your car wash and, uh, and opportunities that, that you might feel like uh, nopileups could help you with. Great. And if you didn't catch that because you don't where you can write, we'll have a link to that on the show notes page of this episode. And you can find that at thehowofcarwashing.com. All right, fantastic. Pete, thanks for sharing all this knowledge and information. Anything I didn't ask you about, especially as it relates to the solution that you wanted to share or any last parting thoughts to our listeners who are obviously operators that are addressing this particular topic and issue on a daily basis? Any last parting thoughts? Oh, you know, I didn't really prepare for anything, but I'm just thinking personally, I am so grateful for the opportunities that have been put in front of me that kind of conspired to make this really awesome product with no pileups. And uh, one of the things that was hard about no pileups is there's an opportunity that's here. And if you don't take it, you don't get it. And that's what made me really move on no pileups when I had another completely consuming business. So uh, that's kind of an outlook in life for me is that I've been super, super lucky to have the opportunities, but you have to reach for them. Yeah. Got to make them happen. Oh, I appreciate that. It's great perspective. All right. So we'll wrap it up with that, Pete. Thanks again for being on the show and sharing your knowledge today. Thank you very much. Had a good time. Folks, thanks for joining us on this episode of the How of Car Washing if you want to get the details and the links to uh, no pileups and other information about Pete, again, you go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowofcarwashing.com. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, Diamond Shine. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.